And really, I'm confused because I would have thought that Bulls fans last night would have been embarrassed by the pathetic performance of their team, not just last night. Instead, they're taking out on me for a tweet. I mean, I'm not the one that went out there with my playoff hopes on the line and lost to a Memphis team that was decimated by injuries. Down and distance. On WGNRadio.com. Down and distance right here, WGNRadio.com. I am your guy, SD2, Mike Sean Davis, and, of course, alongside me, the man, the myth, the legend, Jared Payton. You can reach him at PaytonSon on Twitter, P-A-Y-T-O-N-S-U-N. If you get the S-O-N, that's his son, Jaden. Yes. Let's talk a little hoops. Let's do it. A lot of sad faces, a lot of uh, memes of lottery balls being sent around by a lot of Bulls fans this morning because it looks like that's where the Bulls might be headed. Two games out of the eighth place seed who would have in thought? the Eastern Conference. Who would have thought? I I predicted 50 wins for this team. You predicted, along with Brian Crawford, about 45. Yes. All of us were way off. We never saw this precipitous fall coming. And on the line, we have somebody that stirred up a lot of anger. I love it. Amongst Bulls fans I, last I, I night really, I after their it. loss to the Memphis Grizzlies last night, 108-92. to Vince Carter turning back the hands of time, looking like half man, half amazing, and Zach Randolph was doing work in the paint on the line. We have Justin Termine. He's the host of NBA Today on Sirius XM NBA. That's Sirius 207 and XM 86. Justin, welcome in to Down the Distance. How are you doing today? How you doing, fellas? I uh, appreciate you having me on, and and really I'm confused because I would have thought that Bulls fans last night would have been embarrassed by the pathetic performance of their team, not just last night, but over the course of the season. Instead, they're taking out on me for a tweet. I mean, I'm not the one that went out there with my playoff hopes on the line and lost to a Memphis team that was decimated by injuries, had lost six consecutive games and couldn't hold anybody over to 100 and uh, hold anybody under 107 points over the last what 16 games. They go out there and they throw 92 up. Don't get upset with me. Bulls fans get upset with your team. Yeah, you know let's what? talk about that tweet. You know what? It's um, <clears throat> go ahead. Let me clear my throat real quick <laughs> on this one because Justin, I'm with you, man. I, I I see living in Chicago. It's it's one of the things. And when you watch this Bulls team from the beginning of the season and all through to this point right now, this team has been consistent at being inconsistent all season long. And you can pour that on to injuries or what have you, but. This team just doesn't seem to be clicking and hasn't clicked at all. But last night, getting Derrick Rose back on the road, which his team lately in the last five games has been good on the road. You thought that this was going to be a win. Bulls fans just can't look at the what it is on the wall and the writing on the wall saying that this season is pretty much done, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and I don't understand the injury issues because, hey, didn't Memphis have injuries last night? Hasn't Memphis been decimated over the course of the last month and a half, maybe more than anybody else? Utah last night, they took San Antonio down the stretch here. Looks like they're going to make the postseason, in my estimation. They were without uh, Derek Favors for a long period of time, without Rudy Gobert. They hung tough, so they got those guys back, so they're not using those excuses elsewhere. I understand Dunleavy to start the season. He's out. You get off to a bad start. Joe Kim Noah has been out, and he's more of a guy that you miss his leadership. Taj Gibson here as of late, but I, I can't use that stuff as an excuse to the injuries. And, you know, listen, they've fallen off a, uh, a cliff defensively. They've got a lack of leadership. There's a lot of different issues there. I hate to point the, uh, the finger at Fred Hoiberg. I mean, he is the one difference, I guess, from from last year. That, and I guess Derrick Rose is healthy, and that was sort of the genesis of the, the tweet as well, how I, I think they're actually a worse team with Derrick Rose on the floor. 
That's amazing because a lot of people have expressed that sentiment over the last couple of days. Let's talk about the tweet. The tweet was exactly if Derrick Rose were healthy the last few years, Jimmy Butler may have been out of the league by now instead of having signed a max deal. And Justin, when you sent it out, I knew exactly what you were trying to say, despite the way Bulls fans reacted. Elaborate on your thoughts in the tweet and what you were trying to say. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I think a lot of people did get it, and some people didn't. I used to work with Stacey King here, who, who does the, the games now uh, for you guys on television. He retweeted it, and I think he understood what I was getting at as well, that those two guys just don't fit together, whereas Vincent Goodwill, who covers the team locally there for Chicago, uh, took a shot at me for taking a hot take and uh, uh, you know called the take ridiculous, which I, I highly disagree with. I mean, there's a little facetiousness, and I understand sometimes you can't do that on Twitter. Really what I meant here was, and it wasn't a shot at Jimmy Butler, it's more of a shot at Derrick Rose. I love Jimmy Butler. Butler's one of my favorite players in the league. I think he's the best two-way guard in the NBA. Clay Thompson doesn't have to carry a team. Butler at times has to do that. James Harden plays absolutely no defense. So I, I love Butler. I love the work ethic. You can't not like a guy but it plays like that. But Goodwill and other people are saying that it's because of the injury that Butler uh, isn't having a good year. He's been bad the last couple of weeks. But then I ask you, uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, the last couple of games without Derrick Rose, Rose gets hurt initially. What does Butler do in that Houston game? He gave you 21-8-6 when Rose only played 12 minutes. He comes back against Detroit, doesn't just give you a triple-double, gives you a mammoth triple-double, 28-17-12, and and then he was great the other day against Milwaukee as well, and 10 of 11 shooting at 25 points, a bunch of assists, a bunch of rebounds. So I don't think it's the injury. I think it's Derrick Rose. Rose comes back, and then Butler last night gives you a horrific performance on five points on two of eight shooting in 35 minutes. So I think it's down to the fact that those two guys can't play together. And if I'm looking at this from the Bulls' front office, how am I going to break this up? Well, uh, clearly they're going to give Hoiberg another shot because they put so much emphasis on getting rid of Thibodeau and bringing him in. You can't bring everybody back. And if, if it's me, Jimmy Butler's you know, got the ability to be a star. I don't think Derrick Rose has that ability anymore. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I agree now, with I that. I totally agree with that. Uh, I can't say that I sit what? here and say I agree with Bulls fans or anybody else saying the Bulls what? are better off without Derrick Rose. Your team is never better off without the better talented players. Even Fred Hoiberg said it two weeks ago. The reason we allowed and asked Derrick to play with one eye is because we felt like as a team we were better with him on the court at 60 or 70 percent, which I pointed to the front office and said that points out the front office's inability to get a bench that can actually rest their starters. They keep going and getting these guys like Nate Robinson, Aaron Brooks, guys that are cast off from other rosters. Every now and then they might get hot from behind the three-point line, but ultimately it boils down to the fact that this team from top to bottom was not what we thought it would be. Oh, that's... And as Bulls fans, we have to take a step back and actually be realistic about what exists moving forward. I, I agree with you, and I think that comes down to the front office. They were so darn confident that it was all Tom Thibodeau's fault that yeah. they failed to realize that the that the roster had flaws in it. So they said, oh, all we need to do this summer is change the coach, and, and we'll be fine, and we'll be able to compete for a championship. But it looks like they were wrong. It looks like the, the roster had fatal flaws. And with Rose, I agree with you. If Rose played the appropriate way within his system with it, with the team, then clearly he's talented. I mean, he's, he's got the ability. The problem is, is he's he's a point guard who's averaging less than five assists per game. As far as the starting point guard is concerned, that's a, that's got to be along the lowest in, in the league. And he's taking shit 16 shots per game when he shoots in the low 40s. And 16 shots per game is more than Jimmy Butler. You can't have Rose taking 16 shots a game and Butler taking less than when Butler's clearly your best offensive player. Yeah, you look at both these guys, and Justin, I, that's 
probably one, the question that I posed yesterday on my TV show was just how can these guys coexist? I, I really, I don't think it can happen. It would t- it'd have to take Derrick Rose to really sit back and understand his role and step back and say this is going to be Jimmy's team and figure it out, which I think he can do. So basically I, you're saying he would have to take the role that Dwayne Wade took with LeBron James. Yeah, like know it's your city. Yeah. It, this is your city, but you, you have – this guy is going allow to be him. yeah let allow him to be that guy can he do it i think he can does he want to i'm not sure if he wants to but when it comes down to adjusting you talked about it tom thibodeau gone out the door fred hoiberg here now for the remaining time i don't know how long that's going to be will gar foreman be here though will gar, will gar foreman be here is a question but also i just want to get justin's take on fred hoiberg's own first year here in chicago as head coach yeah, I mean, I feel, like I said, horrible pointing a finger at him. I think he walked into a toxic situation. Uh, and you can't say that uh, that the offense that he was supposed to come in here and fix is, has been phenomenal. I mean, it's taken a step back. I think maybe one year out of all the years that Thibodeau was here, the offense has been worse. So uh, so you can't credit Hoiberg, certainly, with doing anything right. Uh, you have to be disappointed with, with what he's done. But I don't think it's it's enough to fire him. I don't think it's his fault. Like you said, I think it starts with the management, uh, the roster that they put together, uh, and then it starts with maybe some of the relationships on that team, whether the chemistry is uh, is correct or not. And then you point at Hoiberg. I mean, Hoiberg can't get off the uh, off the snide here completely, deserves some blame, but it's not enough to fire him, and it's not enough to say that, that he's not going to be a head coach moving forward. I think it's just a combination here of the roster that he's got and the, the situation and the, the atmosphere that he stepped into. Golden State, their chase for 73 wins to break the record of the 72-10 1996 Chicago Bulls. It's hit a little road bump here recently in the last week and a half. They lost two of three at home. A winning streak broken, also a streak broken last night when they lost to the Timberwolves. 20th in the league in defense. We're talking about a team that was number one in offense and defense last year. A lot of games where it's pretty much Clay save us or Steph save us. Is this chase wearing on the Golden State Warriors? And could it possibly cost them a great chance to be back-to-back NBA champ? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's wearing on them, but it's uh, it's something I don't want to hear them complaining about because Draymond last night alluded to the fact that maybe they're a little bit bored with the regular season. Right. Well, you can't last week say that you're aiming for the record and then a week later say that you're bored. You guys were going for this record, so if you don't get it, uh, you chased it. I mean, you watch these games, and these guys are passionate while they're doing it. And we had Jerry West on a couple of days ago, and West said, Right when they were on the precipice of breaking this thing, I mean, and I thought it was almost guaranteed after that Utah loss, uh, after that Utah win on the road, I said, "Well, here on out, they've got it." Then they lose to Boston, they bounce back, they beat Portland, then they lose to they lose to Minnesota. I didn't see them losing to Boston. I didn't see them losing to Portland. I certainly didn't see them losing to to Minnesota. Maybe they go one and two at worst. That would still set them up perfectly for this record. But we had Jerry West on just before that run, and West said, "I don't think we're going to get it. Uh, uh, you know, uh, we're not playing good basketball. We haven't been good." since the All-Star break defensively, and he's absolutely right. This team has not been a top-10 defensive team since the All-Star break, so uh, there's major concerns out there heading into the postseason. If they play like they played the last couple of weeks against certainly San Antonio and Cleveland, I think they'll lose. They could even lose to Oklahoma City and the Clippers if this keeps up. Justin, here in Chicago, a lot of the talk about with the 72-win Bulls and this Warrior team, and we know it's two different eras of basketball is it fair for some of these legends to be taking shots at uh, this Warriors team? 
I think they should settle down a little bit, but here, here's how I view it, is just because you've won the most games doesn't make you the best team. Uh, to me, the two best teams in the history of the league are the 87 Lakers who won 65 games, and the Boston Celtics there in 1986 who won 67 games. And the reason that is is, is those teams had far more depth even even than Chicago. They had Kale, they had Parrish that you could go down low to. They had Bird on the perimeter. They had Dennis Johnson, who was a great perimeter defensive player. Danny Ainge, you had Bill Walton coming off the bench. You had Hall of Famers coming off the bench. You had Hall of Famers coming off the bench in Los Angeles. They didn't win 72 games. I find them to be better than the Bulls team. Now, I find the Bulls' accomplishment in the regular season to be the best of all time. Uh, so so that's how I kind of viewed that, is just because you've won the most games doesn't mean you're the best team. And here's why I think these legends have the right to rip into some of these younger players, uh, is, look, did LeBron James a couple of years ago give his give his Mount Rushmore. I don't recall hearing Oscar Robertson on that. I don't recall hearing uh, Bill Russell on that. That's kind of disrespectful. So if LeBron can comment on those guys and Durant and others, because it's not just LeBron, then why can't these guys comment on the skill level of the guys today when they actually saw the guys from the past and today? LeBron's just taking a guess on what Bill Russell was, what Oscar Robertson was. Then you have the media who's going out there and doing these stupid rankings on ESPN where they've got like Rick Barry 37th all time and they've got Durant ahead of him and they've got, uh, you know, Steph Curry ahead of them. And they, the same thing with, uh, you know, Elgin Baylor's behind Kevin Durant. And so these legends got to get a little bitter, get a little feisty when they see stupid stuff like that, and they uh, they, they lash out. So I don't, I don't fault them for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Did you get a chance to check out that championship game on Monday night? Oh, absolutely. One of the great finishes of all time. As a matter of fact, on the show, because we only talk NBA, we related it to uh, we related it to some of the great finals finishes in NBA history. We had MJ, Paxson, and Kerr right up there. Yeah. Uh, I, I felt that Paxson was the biggest of those three shots. I, I don't know how you guys feel, but, yeah. uh, but that's sort of what we did on the show just to correlate it to the NBA. Yeah, great. Once again, you can find him on Twitter, Termine Radio. Justin Termine, he is the host of NBA Today on Sirius XM NBA Series 207 and XM 86. Justin, thanks for joining us here on Down and Distance today, man. Fellas, really appreciate it. Fun conversation.